Welcome into another edition of the Sibling Rivalry Podcast, a show all about college football where the conversations are lively, the topics are irreverent, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. I'm Madison, and I'm joined as always by my brother Pierce. Pierce, time to preview week three. How are you feeling as we look forward to this slate of games? Well, just like this week slate of games, I am in the same boat uh, physically. Um, y- y'all can probably tell by the the sound of my voice. It's a little scratchy today as I'm a little bit under the weather, but um, there's college football to be discussed, and can't you can't let that go by. You've got to keep moving along. So week three, I'm excited to talk about it. Again, another uh, downer week, but... Finally, I think there's some diamonds in the rough. And on top of that, we're getting out of that, you know, weird two week two, three, where the big schools are playing the FCS opponent. So it's starting to get to be big boy football time. And, and we'll really start to see, you know, who rises to the top and who falls to the bottom. So I'm excited about this week, uh, but really, really looking forward to next week. Absolutely. To your point, a couple of these teams that we're going to be talking about tonight are opening up conference play, and uh, it's going to be a fun one. To your point, some diamonds in the rough, mainly if you're looking at the spread. I think you can kind of go through game by game and predict who's going to win, although anything can happen, as we've learned in college football. But You've got some home dogs with some big spreads, and so I'm interested to see where you're falling on these uh, lines and these games and these matchups. Uh, one thing that I will like to note is I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but Saban down in uh, Bama is going crazy about uh, the noon kickoffs, and I want to get your thoughts really quickly before we open up our picks. What are your thoughts there on the noon kicks? Do you think that's an Alabama fault for not scheduling tougher opponents, more marquee matchups? They have a they open up conference play versus South Carolina. It's a two thirty game, which for the SEC is actually the the primo game. That's the game you want to be because that's the CBS game. But you got any thoughts on that? Because I was listening to a podcast on the way home today, and I thought to myself, "Oh, Saban, shut up!" And he even gave the crowd crap at one point. It was just it was a lot. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. It's interesting because the Big Ten they actually like the noon kicks because of who their TV coverage is. Yeah, and you know this this is actually an in conference game, so it's it's. You would expect them to be more, you know, in that prime time slot on two thirty. But I mean, get a get a grip on yourself, Saban. This all it is is just an extra extra time for your for prep. I mean, look Did at you it, see what Gus Malzahn said. Turn it around and look at it this way: take care of business, and you have early. You get to prep for your next week's opponent before um, three hours earlier. So. I, I I don't get that. In fact, I actually think the whole controversy with the no air conditioning in the locker rooms is oh, a bigger yeah, I deal to bring that than, up too. Than, than the noon kick for well, poor old Bama. To put a bow on this, I don't know if you saw all this. Again, I I I kind of monitoring the situation, but I didn't. I listened to like basically a deep dive podcast that was really talking about this. But I guess Saban came out. He was questioned about it last week. And he came out and said, yeah, we'd love to play games that aren't at noon because it's freaking hot in the South at 11 or, you know, well, it kicks off at 11 o'clock Central time. And then by the time it's over fourth quarter, especially when you're playing a nobody opponent, who wants to stay at a game that's 53 to nothing or 63 to nothing, whatever Alabama did last week when it's 100 degrees outside. So, yeah, people leave. And then it doesn't look great for your recruits. Uh, He said that something about... um, 
you know, I'd love to play the 10 not or 10 conference games and then two power fives every year. Lincoln Riley was asked about that over in Norman, and he said something along the lines of not everybody has the same amount of conference opponents. So they'd be playing more non-conference power five teams. And then, I don't know if you saw this, but Malzahn said something about, because uh, they're playing Kent State, but it's a later kickoff, I think it's 6.30. And he was asked about it, and he said, I'd love to be playing at noon so that we can start focusing on the next opponent earlier. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I love that. A little... As much as uh, we uh, despise Auburn in this household, that's uh, love. Love the parting shot from Malzahn there. Love uh, when you get that in-state rivalry of brewing early in the early. season. Er- this is really early. So, well, to your point though, uh, not quite. It's not in-state or or conference rivalry, but it looks like LSU and Texas are continuing to trade blows by this whole no air conditioning thing. Of course, Ed O. Ed Orgeron rather comes to uh, Austin. They don't have air conditioning. I guess he mm-hmm. was tipped off by the uh, Louisiana Tech coach about that, so they made some preparation, and he said, don't worry, we'll have some stuff waiting for them when they come to Baton Rouge, which let me tell you, I went to a game in Baton Rouge last year, and it was October. It was mid-October, and it was hot. Well, so I can't, I'd, whew, I'd be careful if you're Tom Herbert. Of course, he might not be there anymore at that, you know, yeah. depending on how the seasons yeah. go. But but it's just interesting. Some, it, it's only week three, and we've got some interesting chippy blows being dealt back and forth between these coaches and these players yeah no doubt um you even had Kirby Smart chime in and I and I read a little article about that and it was interesting um it's not so much you know the air conditioning or the fans on the field so much as in the locker rooms Mm -hmm. and uh you know with with so many of these college stadiums and and I get it it's gamesmanship it's why Iowa has their 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 road team locker rooms painted pink, right? Because they think it's it's going to get in the heads of their opponents. But to not have air conditioning in your locker room and to not have at least enough size, um, I know. Uh, to point back to Georgia and Vandy, um, week one. There were guys that were sitting, you know, big 300-pound guys sitting on benches together that, you know, there were no locker locker rooms available. It was just too small. People were standing up, standing around, couldn't get off their feet, um, no air conditioning. So, you know, uh, there are – at the end of the day, it is what it is. It kind of seems ridiculous to argue about, but it is something that I think uh, – think could could and should get better well i think that and you hear horror stories about visitor locker rooms like you alluded to and that's just par for the course painting a locker room pink funny uh you know i've heard stories about bathrooms not having stalls funny weird but funny not having enough space for all of the players to comfortably fit not having air conditioning especially in the sweltering heat in texas that kind of becomes a safety concern at some point. Mm-hmm. These kids are going to overheat. There's, some of them are going to have some, you know, and, and you'd hate for that to be on your conscience if you're the team that's visiting uh, opponent that happened to them. So to your point, it's a little bit different. It's kind of crazy that we're talking about it, but it's it's a little bit different than, hey, we painted the locker room pink because there's a sports psychologist who told us that gets in your visit, the you know, the visitors' heads. Exactly, and you, and you saw it in that LSU-Texas game. People were dropping like flies with cramps, so... Um, you know, that's just a product of, of being in the sun all day and, and exerting 
um, all your effort and energy and, and then having to go into the locker room and, and it doesn't need to be 50 degrees, right? but just give them a air little circulation. bit of, yeah, just it, some air circulation. So, um, anyway, this is, uh, this is for every school out there, make your way away, um, locker rooms just a little bit better, put a little air conditioning in there or at least some fans and make it a little bit bigger. Come on now. There you go. Well, one more piece of news to hit before we get into the picks. You've been following, I think it's really come out today. Did you see uh, that the NCAA is threatening to kick the whole entire state of California out? What? So California's got a bill. It's not a law yet, obviously. It's just a bill. But uh, they are trying to get a bill passed that would allow college athletes to market their likeness in their name. This is a big debate within NCAA sanctioned sports about whether or not these players should be allowed to benefit from the fact that the, I mean, the schools are benefiting from their likeness in their name, but should the players be able to, you know, technically they're earning money for the school, but they're not earning any money. So California is proposing this bill, but that would go against what the NCAA has. So theoretically, and they've said they would do this, they will kick the entire state of California out of NCAA sports. Well, I mean, the NCAA is a, uh, how can I say this uh, as nicely as possible? They are a a sham. They're a terrible, terribly run organization. Um, that being said, if, if this bill passes and the NCAA does stick with their guns, you're not going to have any, te- fo- any football teams um, – out of California. You're just not. I mean, if you think about it, if, if, you know, USC, I mean, who's going to, who's, I mean, think about it. If they're going to ban California, USC, it's just going to be a California place, California schools. I was about to say, then what you're going to have happen is other states are going to come out and say, you know, hey, we're going to do this too or whatever. And you're going to see, I mean, this has got to be careful because they've got a storm brewing here and how long until there's a, you know, two leagues going on man i'm already worried i already can tell where this is going this is just like the whole the whole free agency thing in college football and allowing that it is it is it is really yeah i mean it's turning into a, a professional uh league and and it's taking what i think eventually it'll take the fun out of what college football is and that is guys going out there and laying it all on the line and, and i've seen it from from an nfl perspective um you know guys are getting paid well and sometimes they just don't bring their best they just don't quite care or they'll give up a little bit easier whereas in college it just seems like you know the guys are out there landed on the line every play and if they're not then you typically are going to be playing for a bad team so um that's an interesting I had not heard that. That caught me off guard. Now I'm a little a little sick to my stomach. I've got a big pit in my stomach. I'm worried where the NCAA is going in college football in general now. Well, I don't know, and we'll have to keep monitoring that. But let's not focus too much on that. That could be years down the future. But what's happening right now in just a few days, in fact, the week three slate of games are going to kick off, and I'm ready to get into the picks. Are you ready to do it? Let's go. Okay. I am trying to avenge my week two pitiful performance. It wasn't, I guess it wasn't bad, but what are we, tied up or are you running by one? Do you remember, top of your head? I'm up by one. You're up by one. I gotta, I gotta fix that. I gotta fix that. I'm gonna have to pick some home dogs, I think, in order to do so. All right. 
Let's start it off on Friday night. A little Friday the 13th action. First day of fall, and it is Friday the 13th. It officially feels like football season. If you weren't already on board, now's the time to do so. The number 20 Washington State Cougars are traveling to Houston. Houston is going to be picking up eight and a half points on the game. Pierce, I know you love you some Wazoo. I know you love some Mike Leach, but do you think the Washington State Cougars have what it done has what it takes to get it done by nine points in Houston? This is uh this is a game that you know I it's 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 too tough to call as far as I would never even consider this game with this line in my easy peasies. I'm gonna say yes, they do. Um, it's 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 at Energy Stadium, which is home of the Houston Texans. Um, the thing is, Washington State averages 58.5 points per game. Uh, Houston came off a 37 to 17 win over Prairie View last week. Um, while Washington State didn't play anybody that great, Washington State did play. Um, New Mexico State two two weeks ago and pretty much had the same score as Alabama did against New Mexico State. So I like Washington State to keep putting up points. They average 58.5 per game. Anthony Gordon, their quarterback, um, 884 yards, nine touchdowns to only one interception. That's great. Uh, Houston will score on this Washington defense that's not that talented, um, but in the end, I think it'll be one of those where Washington State pulls away in the fourth quarter, uh, and this could be another one of those where you're looking at an over, too. Okay, well, there you go. The under-over on that is 74. I think you take the over all day long. These two teams don't play a ton of defense, so... For that reason, I'm going the opposite direction that you just went. You just picked. I understand everything, your logic on all of that, and I get it, and I can. you could talk me into it. But I'm going to go Houston on this, if only because I think, like, to your point, at home, uh, you know, not great defenses, or, or rather, it's some Pac-12 defenses. Houston's not in the Pac-12, but, it, you know, same type of vibe. And I think that they are excited to be on this national stage playing this powerhouse or powerhouse, pow- playing this, you know, by all intents and purposes right now, playoff contender. Uh, I don't know if that'll be at the end of the year, but I think I'm picking Houston. I just think nine points. I- I'm-, I'm thinking like a backdoor cover. I think yeah, a little that- backdoor cover at home. You know, Washington State lifts off the gas. They don't want to get hurt. This isn't necessarily a, a major matchup for them. And uh, I think that I think I'm going Dana Holgerson and crew here. I'd like the backdoor cover if it was more like double digits. It's close. It's close, but this isn't a two and a half point spread. This is eight and a half. You got to basically be be up by two scores, a, a, a the, touchdown and a field goal, basically. The issue with it is if you're down, say that eight points. Mm-hmm. If you're down that eight points, and you you've got a chance to kick a field goal, and and backdoor cover, you're proud. You're not going. That's to. true. So that's a fair point. That's that's kind of where I sit with. But I that. didn't say it was a field um, goal. Well, that's true. Who knows? That, that means you got to go for it on fourth down. Oh, well, come on now. 
<laughs> you're gonna have to go for it on fourth down and get the two points. Whatever. I'm still gonna go to my. I, if I, you didn't hear me at the beginning of the show, I gotta go a little bit separate from you because I gotta get back on the, my game. I, I hear you. I hear you, and but, I will say I do like Houston. I think Houston. I do still think Houston. I don't think they win, but I think it's more of a, you know a four point game. I like Houston as a team. They haven't started. They haven't gotten out to the start that they wanted. That said, I like this team. Um, they'll get it together. Uh, just not this week against the Washington State Cougars team who is rolling on offense. Another team that is rolling on offense in large part due to their transfer quarterback, the number six Ohio State Buckeyes going to Bloomington to take on Indiana. Now, Justin Fields hasn't had any major competition yet. He hasn't had any kind you of... You said real... his name. I, I say his name. It's kind of like in Harry Potter. Harry says the name. Everybody else is scared to. But if you if you say the name, you take away its power. Voldemort makes it too, you know. But calling him he who shall not be named makes him too powerful. Make him mortal. All right. Anyways, that's kind of nerdy as hell. No, I, <laughs> that went down a weird path. Well, there. you brought it up. Um, <laughs> I was just trying to think of a comeback. Lord have mercy. Whatever. Anyways, Justin Fields has not had any major uh, challenge yet. Do you think that Indiana is his first challenge? He is on the road for the first time this season, and it is an in-conference matchup. Not that it's a big powerhouse necessarily, and that Indiana doesn't necessarily have ravenous fans, but they are 2-0, and they are welcoming in Ohio State. Do you think they get up for this, and do you think Justin, with his first start on the road, lives up to his name, or do you think he uh, eventually shows his mortality? Really, since 2010, this has been a game that Indiana's gotten up for. Um, every every year it's at home. Um, they upset the Buckeyes in 2012 as well as 2015, yes? I forgot to mention that the spread on this is Indiana is picking up 16.5 points. 16.5, okay. Um, so upset the um, Buckeyes in 2012 and 2015. Um, so it kind of has that trap feel to it. That said, he who shall not be named will be able to put up the 45 points necessary. And this this Ohio State team just has some dudes on defense. Um, and if this were over 17 points, I'd be hesitant. But under 17 points, it's it's they've been sitting at this 16-point mark for the last two games, I feel like. Versus FAU, I think it might have been right around Close there. Close to, yeah. Or maybe it was 20. Maybe I don't it was think 20. it was that much for Cincy. It was 16 and a half. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. And Cincinnati, I think, is a much better team than Indiana. Yeah. So I've got to go Ohio State here covering. Um, you also got to gotta remember that while it feels like a trap game, Ohio State won by 28 in their last visit to Bloomington. So... It's not like this is an every other year occurrence. This or an every year occurrence. This is uh, this won't be lopsided, and I expect it to get ugly pretty quickly. I agree with you. I am taking Ohio State on this. Sixteen and a half is a lot. Normally, I would take those points. Normally, I'd say, "Yep, nope." At home, Indiana, the home dog, gonna win. But I think Ohio State one has something to prove, uh, and two, I think that. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, sorry. Two, <laughs> Cincinnati. We just saw them come off that win versus Cincinnati. And Cincinnati, by all accounts purposes, I thought that would be a closer game than it was. I think I picked Cincinnati on my picks. There's no way Indiana wins this game. Do they keep it closer than we're expecting? Maybe so. But I do think Ohio State wins and covers that spread. I just think 16 and a half 
although a lot, it's the like you always say, good teams win, elite teams cover. And if Ohio State, especially because some of these in-conference opponents are starting to kind of get a little bit, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing where the rubber meets the road. They're not looking as good. Ohio State's going to have to put up some of those big numbers uh, because we're quietly looking at the potential. If they lose one, you've, you know, the Big Ten's out. So they're going to have to put up some big numbers so that even if they do fall to a random team, they can point back and say, yeah, but look at all those teams that we beat by a lot. And I do think that Justin Fields is a player, even though you don't like to admit it. So give me Ohio State on the road. Next up, Pitt at Penn State. This is, by all accounts purposes, a a big game. But a big rivalry game. It's a huge rivalry. Usually lopsided, but so, yeah, Penn State. Big. Penn State at home, number thirteen in the country. It's being played at eleven o'clock. Uh, so it's not necessarily if that shows you the state of things. It's not necessarily a prime time matchup. It's not something that the rest of the whole country is going to be looking at outside of the state of Pennsylvania. But to your point, a lot of these kids played each other in high school or went to the same high school so these teams necessarily don't love each other the line on this is Penn State giving 17 points uh and I I I think obviously this is another one of those that the big question is not who's going to win the game it's whether or not Penn State's going to cover so what are your thoughts at home do you think there's a shot that Pittsburgh is able to give Penn State a run for their money with a spread give me that spread one more time 17 17. Yeah, and I just read something. This will be the last time that this these two in-state rivals will play for the foreseeable future. Oh, really? Um, so emotions will be very high. I expect a very chippy game that tends to lend itself to a closer scoring game. That being said, the the Nittany Lions have put up points. I know it's against some you know, seventy nine to Idaho. Yeah, some some FCS opponents, some lower, some you know lesser teams and lesser competition. But you had a Virginia team come in and beat Pitt at Pitt. This is in Happy Valley. Um, you also had Pitt only beat Ohio by ten last week. I think this is one where Penn State has a pretty good um, offense. They'll get they'll score points and. Here's a here's an interesting stat, not one that's a good thing to note if you're a Pittsburgh fan. The Panthers have not generated a turnover all season. Ooh. So I, as much as scary as rivalry games like this, especially with these high point spreads, scare me because they're usually backyard brawls. I got to go Penn State minus 17. I agree with you 100%. Uh, offensively, they're looking pretty good there in Happy Valley. And in a rivalry game like this, I think that you don't let off the gas. It's not going to be one of those where they get up enough and they say, okay, we're, we're done. They're going to keep going because of the fact that it's, for the foreseeable future, done, which I didn't know until now, and the fact that it is a rivalry game. You don't let off the gas for those. You keep going and just grind your heel in a little bit farther, a little bit farther, a little bit farther. So I am going to take Penn State as well, and the Nittany Lions keep rolling all right another game that's got a large spread it seems to be a trend here this week the number two Alabama Crimson Tide opening up SEC play by going to Columbia South Carolina to take on the Gamecocks that game is at 2 30 central time so the quote-unquote marquee matchup but it's the only SEC game really going on so not a lot to choose from South Carolina's picking up 25 and a half points at home that's just kind of disrespectful when you're that big of a home dog. I well, mean, you know, it's something interesting and, what? and to note here, um, this is for your 
benefit as well as our loyal loyal listeners. This has actually had some sharp action on South Carolina. Um, a lot of people think that Holinsky is a actually better quarterback than Bentley. So he completed, I believe it was 24 of 30 passes last week in um, his first debut as a starter. I think he will be a a pretty good quarterback down the road. However, freshman quarterback typically don't play well against Alabama. No. Um, and 25 and a half just seems like a joke. And I, I also saw that Ryan Holinsky was throwing, I think he threw only six passes past 10 yards. When you're th- throwing dink and dunk passes, you're not giving – You've seen it in the past. Like, you've seen it with the SEC championship game when Georgia played Alabama. You've seen it when Clemson. Alabama has trouble when you can hit the downfield passes. Helensky struggled with that last week. He's got to hit those this week. I don't think he does. Tavion Feaster would have a good game if he could. That being said, uh, Alabama rolls, and I think they roll by about 38, to be honest. All right, I agree with you 100%. I think that the streak for uh, Nick Saban to continue just absolutely not throttling because some of his assistants have gotten close, but no assistant has ever, former assistant, has ever beaten the master, and he's going to continue that here on the road. South Carolina is just, I mean, they've got a brutal schedule, so it's going to be one of those that we look back at it and go, yeah, but look who they played. Yeah, but I don't think they're that good of a team. And I think that Muschamp is not fighting for his job yet, but I do think that it is not a great state of affairs there in Columbia. To your point, Holinsky did look good last week coming in for Bentley, who has having season-ending surgery, but they were playing Charleston Southern. They weren't playing anybody big. They lost to UNC the week before, and while Bentley didn't look good, that wasn't all Bentley. And Alabama a 25 and a half point spread for Alabama all day long. Are you kidding me? They're going to cover that. I think that it's, especially with some of the stuff that Saban's been saying this week, this is going to be him coming out, not to prove a point, but the Alabama rivalry, not rivalry, uh, revenge tour continues. And this is just another stop on the, on the way. It's by saying, Hey, look, we have played two quote unquote, smaller matchups, but this is an in conference uh, game cross divisional, but in conference. And we're going to, just absolutely whoop up on them and prove a little bit of a point. You 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 took the words right out of my mouth. I think him going to the media and spewing all that rat poison, as he likes to call it, he's doing a little bit of that himself with that 12 o'clock game. Um, and this is their first SEC opponent that they will play. I expect them to not only be motivated by those words from Saban um, as they feel they are being di- disrespected, um, but I also look for them to make a statement in this game because they haven't really played anyone. So um, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. Alabama rolls. So far, we only have one game that we disagree on, and uh, that's partially because of the kind of week it is, but also uh, need to start doing better, Madison. I need to start doing better because I've got to beat you this week and get back on top of our standings. Maybe this game we will have a discrepancy on. The number 24 USC Trojans after their win versus Stanford. They're just absolutely stomping of Stanford. Are going to 
Provo, Utah to take on the BYU Cougars. BYU coming off of a double overtime win at Tennessee. So feeling high for BYU. So here's where it gets kind of interesting. Slovis is going to have his first road start. A lot of people are feeling very high on him. Already hearing some rumblings that he's going to save Clay Helton his job. But he is brand new. So is he able to live up to the hype on the road? Then you've got BYU who had to you know, have an emotional win at Rocky Top. So are they able to do it again at home or are they spent? you got a couple different interesting storylines here. BYU is picking up three and a half points on the game. And I want to hear your thoughts here on uh, what you think, what you're feeling out. I hate this line because uh, three and a half is about, I'm sorry, they're picking up three and a half. So Basically, what that means is they think BYU is only or would be a seven and a half dog on a neutral site. Um, four and a half. I, I expected this game to be more like seven to ten, to be honest, oh, okay. especially after Slovis. Um, I really I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I am. uh I'm going with an upset here. BYU beats USC. I think USC is coming off that high of beating Stanford. Uh, Yes, BYU had a long and not only a long game, but a long travel last week. But they always seem to get up in Provo. And as well as that... uh, that elevation can, can really do things to teams. So... Expect some different looks uh, from BYU's defense. Slovis, he handled his first game with ease, but that Stanford Cardinals defense is horrendous. Horrendous. And and I really do think this BYU defense is a little better. So um, I'll go ahead and say it right now, BYU outright, but got to take the, spread, the points as well. So BYU plus four and a half. So this is interesting because this is going to be one of those that we can look back at later. Three and a half. I'm getting some hand motions from Pierce. Just wanted to double check. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is going to be interesting because BYU's first game was at home versus Utah. Utah, of course, is a favorite to win the Pac-12, um, at least there in the South. So this is going to be one of those that could be interesting heading into that USC-Utah matchup to see, you know, hey, this is what they did equally versus BYU. Um, I'm going to go with the, I I agree with you. I'm going to go with the home dog. I'm going to go with BYU. I think that the Cougars didn't necessarily prove a ton there at, at Rocky top. I don't think, or Rocky flop as they're calling it now, Rocky flop has not, I don't think they're a great team. They do have, uh, you know, their own issues to work out. I think that BYU though at home, I think they get back up and they're able to get it done. I think that Slovis being on the road and a first-time starter on the road is going to struggle a little bit. I think that ultimately the reason why we didn't think Clay Helton was going to have his job in the middle of the year is because USC's not a great team this year, and we're going to be proving that as they travel to to BYU, and I think BYU outright just like you. All right, another non-conference matchup, the Arizona State Sun Devils traveling to Michigan State to take on the number 18 Sparty. Uh, I kind of looked at this line and thought, disrespect. Respectful to the fighting Herm Edwards, Michigan State is going to be giving 14 points on that spread. Then again, Michigan State has looked pretty good through two games. So what are your thoughts here? 
first time either of these teams are really playing anybody uh, and they are undefeated. So who walks away the victor? And is it by the actual 14 points or no? Well, Michigan State scares me as from a cover standpoint. They just they just can't seem to cover for whatever reason against uh, against teams like this. Uh, that being said, I've got I've got Michigan State minus fourteen at home. Look at Arizona State's two first two games. They play Kent State. They win thirty to seven. Okay, you know first game jitters. First game got to got to iron out the kinks. Then they play Sacramento State and win 19 to 7. 19 to 7. And they're going to East Lansing. They're facing one of the better defenses in not only the Big Ten, but in the country, um, especially in the secondary. Uh, was a little nervous about Michigan State uh, after their week one performance, but they righted their wrongs last week over Western Michigan, um, putting up 51 points. So. Got to think that they'll be able to do that against a team that, quite frankly, just seems to kind of be more of a rebuilding year for the Fighting Herm Edwards um, and Sun Devils team. So Michigan State minus 14 for me, lock that one in. I am with you. I think that Michigan State continues to live up to the billing of this year and maybe even a promised year for Michigan State. I mean, Michigan is looking down, so they are, you know, at least they probably win that in-state rivalry. I'm not sure about some of the other in-conference stuff, but I think that they easily handle Arizona State, and I think that we are looking back at this going, all right, the Pac-12, another one of their potential, you know, playoff contenders. Not that Arizona State was ever going to make the playoffs, but you've got another team falling, and the Pac-12 slowly but surely is playing itself out of the playoffs. Heading to the Big 12, the Big 12 marquee matchup of the week, the number 19 Iowa Hawkeyes traveling to Ames, Iowa to take on the Iowa State Cyclones. This is the game day matchup of the week, so you know after a decade without the game day crew visiting, Ames is going to be rocking. We love to talk, Pierce, about how Ames is a tough place to play. Grass is a little a little longer, feels a little slower. Iowa's coming in 2-0. Iowa State, to their credit, is also undefeated, but they've only played one game so far this season, and they had to go to triple overtime to win. So the line is 2.5 points. Iowa State picking up those 2.5 points. What do you think happens here? This is a tough one. Iowa State's coming off of a bye. Therefore, they've had two weeks to prepare for this uh, heated rivalry game. Not to mention, I've always said it, Iowa State, to your point, it just seems like that that thick bluegrass has grown out a little bit thicker uh, in the big-time games. Uh, that said, um, I think that Nathan Stanley for Iowa uh, averages 10.5 adjusted yards per attempt. He'll handle the pressure for the Hawkeyes. Um, and given that even though Matt Campbell had an extra week to prepare and college game days there, I think this is a game where they get hyped up and real juiced up for it and then they run out of gas at the end um, and maybe even get their hearts, you know, ripped out of their body. Um, this was a close one. You said the spread was at? Two and a half. Two and a half. So it's going in favor of Iowa. That's public. That kind of scares me. Um, that being said, I'm going to ride or die with the Iowa Hawkeyes. 
I am going to take Iowa State. I think for all the reasons that you're picking Iowa, I'm picking Iowa State. I think you give a couple weeks to prepare for this game. You're at home, and it is going to be rocking. Iowa State loves to play spoiler at home. Iowa also likes to play spoiler, but they're on the road here, and it's, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher. They have been playing pretty well for their to their credit, and Iowa State like I said, needed to go to triple overtime to win. But at two and a half points, Vegas knows something we don't hear. And I am taking the Cyclones as a home dog. I think that they get it done. And uh, Iowa's, is, uh, Iowa's season is looking kind of sad afterwards. Flip over to the ACC now. We've got the number one Clemson Tigers taking on the Syracuse Orangemen. That is going to be played at the Carrier Dome, which is a tough place to play, but Syracuse within their first two games looks not not great, not good. Uh, they did beat Liberty twenty four to nothing, but then they got absolutely manhandled by Maryland in a game that I believe they were favored for. I could be wrong about that. No, I think they were two and a half points favored. Yeah, they were the underdogs. underdogs yeah, Syracuse is going to be picking up twenty seven and a half points, which is a very big spread. So. The question is, do you think that Dabo lays on the gas here and just absolutely throttles Syracuse? Does the Carrier Dome come in as the 12th man one more time? Or is this just destined to be an unbelievable blowout? I think it does. I think Clemson coming off a very emotional and and tough contest against Texas A&M, uh, that will play a part in this Syracuse Orangeman Covering this this large spread, you said it was what, what again? 27 and a half. 27 and a half. Um, I expect it to probably get to 28 by game time. Uh, yes, Syracuse was blown out by Maryland last week, as you, as you pointed out, which should take the shine off this game. But you've seen some funky things in the Carrier Dome against Clemson over the, over the last five, six, seven years. So, um, And at the end of the day, this is just one of those games where I, I just think the spread's a little too large. I think um, the Orange are averaging 22 points per game through two weeks. If they can get that, they're going to cover with ease. I agree with you. I think that Syracuse has looked, by all accounts, bad. Tommy DeVito does not look great. And Dino Babers, even though we were singing his praises heading into the season, saying, hey, this could be a potentially big matchup for Clemson, this is probably their last true quote-unquote test of the season. It's not anymore. It's really not. But I don't think they win more than 21 points. It shows you that there is such a talent discrepancy in the ACC and that Clemson can score at will. But again, 28 points you've got to win by? Four touchdowns? Are you kidding me? That's not going to happen. I mean, Syracuse is bad, but they're not that bad and Clemson's not going to go out there and win by half a hundred just so that just because they can I think that ultimately this is one of those that you get Trevor in for the first half you get up by a comfortable lead you take him out and you keep him fresh and I think that uh, ultimately 21 points but not quite the full 27 and a half so give me Syracuse at home I hate that we're picking this game I asked not to pick this game because I'm so <laughs> embarrassed about talking about it but the Florida State Seminoles are traveling to Virginia to take on the number 25 Cavaliers. I'm, you know what? I don't even have – I have no words to put into – out into the atmosphere, into existence. I have no – I have nothing that comes to mind to talk about this Florida State team. It's not even the performance on the field that's got me so grossed out. I mean – it's the the fact that they're the laughing stock of the country. Willie Taggart coming out and saying that the dehydration, which granted that quote was taken out of context a little bit. That's that goes into the whole 
locker room issue. What do you mean? Well, yeah, they could be dehydrated, but if you're not if you're not getting cool air, you're just going to be getting you're going to keep hot you're I mean, it's going to be hard to replenish well, your Well, he was he was kind of making a tongue not tongue in cheek, but he wasn't he wasn't actually blaming if you go back and listen to the full quote, he wasn't actually blaming the loss on a lack of hydration, but that's how it came off and that's how it's been taken. That's embarrassing. The guy lining up in the in the tight end lining up facing the opposite direction it also has been explained away by Kendall Bryles, but also embarrassing. Well, what was the explanation? I the never explanation got that. that they were running up up tempo, and in that play, I don't know what I don't even really understand how to take this, but this is what they've said. In that play, Kendall Bryles has instructed them to line up however they want, so he lined up facing the opposite direction. That that that's covering up for for a player right there i'll tell you what i, I and i don't know i mean and, and honestly with the way the florida state's being run i wouldn't surprise me if they said hey line up the opposite direction that'll be great that'll throw them off that'll confuse Man. no it's stupid i'm so tired of talking about them but we've got to talk about them one more time because virginia is looking i mean they're 25 in the nation they've got to be addressed at least so virginia is giving seven and a half points on that game go ahead take me out of my misery tell me how badly florida state is going to lose I think, okay, Virginia wins and covers. Okay. But I don't think it's a blowout. Um, I think coming off the overtime, barely winning against UL Monroe. Which is also embarrassing. It's embarrassing, uh, but that might relax this team a little bit um, heading into a tough one and and really kind of, you know, they were coming off a, a heartbreaker against Boise State. They had that game won. And let it slip from their fingertip through their fingertips. So I think that the Yule Monroe was a carryover of that, and that they'll write the ship this weekend. The one thing that scares me is they are allowing 520 yards of offense per game. Uh, that's not good news for a team uh, like Virginia with a player like Bryce Perkins who can not only throw it but run it. He's kind of like a Terry Wilson from Kentucky. Um, in the end, I think Virginia's defense will be the difference, but I think this is more of like a 10 point game. I think, uh, somewhere in the ballpark of like a 34 or maybe a 28, 34, 24, like a 28, uh, maybe 17 score. Um, I, I I don't, I don't want to go and pick this. I'm taking Virginia. Uh, and I think that they get it done. Uh, I just think that it's interesting because I listen to all of these other podcasts and there's no lie. There's no, or no secret rather that Georgia's my team. I grew up Georgia Bulldog. I'm a diehard Georgia Bulldog. At the end of the day, I'm never going to renounce my allegiance to Georgia. I went to Florida State for a year and a half. So I have an interesting, uh, it's almost a deeper connection to that because I actually lived there and, you know, it feels deeper, but at the same time, I don't have all of that backstory with Florida State. It's hard to be a Florida State fan right now. There have been a lot of people talking about whether or not it's harder to be a Florida State fan or a Tennessee fan right now. A lot of people are making the argument that Tennessee is harder to be a fan of. And I would have to agree, except for the fact that I don't think Tennessee is getting... I think people actually feel bad for Tennessee, whereas people are really enjoying what is happening in Tallahassee and, and making fun of it. So it's it's hard for me as a Florida State fan to uh, to be dealing with all of that. But that being said, I hope that we don't have to pick any more Florida State games this season. They're going to lose this game. They're going to lose this game by 14. 
I'm just going to throw out an arbitrary number. We lose this game by 14, and we're going to continue to be. Maybe at that point, though, people will stop talking about us because we'll be so irrelevant to the rest of the country. There you go. And then we can pick it back up. We just got to beat Florida. Spin zone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Willie Taggart. I'm not saying Willie Taggart's coaching for his job. It's the same thing like Pruitt. They're not going to fire him. It, he's, he's only in his second year. The hard part is Florida State's got talent. Tennessee's not necessarily talentless either, but Florida State has a couple five stars on their team. Yeah. Yeah, that is the difference. And I actually uh disagree. I actually think Taggart is if if he doesn't turn this thing around, he's gone. Um That's fair because came Pru- in Pruitt with talent- and Fulmer are so close yeah. and so linked that he's fine. But I, well, and, and, I don't and know. And to your point, Tennessee Pruitt inherited a team that had no I mean, maybe three or four good players. Whereas, and so you knew it was going to take two, three, four years to get the talent in there that it requires to win ball games in SEC and especially compete um, with the best of the best. FSU, on the other hand, I mean, they should be winning most of these games on their schedule with the talent they have. Um, Yes, they haven't been recruiting at the level that Jimbo was. But man, it's uh, yeah, it's it's tough. It's it's a tough one. I think uh, he could be could be looking for a new uh, assistant job somewhere down the line. Maybe go back to USF where he uh, where he the whole thing started. He he left uh, went to Oregon and now at FSU and maybe he'll be back at UCF. Who knows? USF. It's possible. Charlie Strong looks to be struggling there in Tampa. All right. One last game before we hit you with the easy peasies of the week. The number five Oklahoma Sooners traveling to L.A. to take on the UCLA Bruins. Here also is another coach who's coaching for his life, Chip Kelly. Oklahoma is giving 23.5 points on that spread. I mean, do you dare even touch UCLA with a 10-foot pole? This one's easy peasy, baby. This one is a no doubt. Lock it in. OU domination um the Bruins will drop to 0 and 3 hate it they had to play a good Cincinnati team um and they looked okay for for about a about a quarter about a half um but they just can't get things going they have seven turnovers uh through two games OU looks like a team that I in my mind in my eyes looks like the best team in the country. Um, I think Jalen Hurts and the Sooners take this show on the road and they drop the Bruins big. I do think they cover this spread. Uh, I have it at 23. What do you have it at? 23 and a half. 23 and a half. Under 24, yes, that's a no-brainer. Uh, OU wins this in a blowout. I agree with you. I think that Chip Kelly and UCLA, it's just – it's kind of befuddling uh, how how poor they've looked through two games. And Oklahoma, it, with Jalen Hurts, it's it's continuing to be this carousel of bring in a uh, grad transfer quarterback and just absolutely throttle the competition. They're looking good. A lot of their defensive woes look to be figured out as well. And so I am taking the Sooners all day, twenty three and a half points. With with a team that doesn't, you know, with a team that doesn't play defense, you've got to be able to score a ton. So it's a little bit easier to take a team like that by a big spread. 
than Clemson because Clemson can go, all right, boys, defense, get some reps in. We're going to take out our offensive firepower, whereas Oklahoma, you kind of got to keep scoring. So a 23.5-point spread does not scare me at all. Give me the Sooners. And now it is time. You know what time it is. We the best, don't the best time of the week. We don't condone gambling here at the Sibling Rivalry Podcast. But if you were to gamble, these are the picks that Pierce would make to, in order to win you some money. So let's go ahead, hit you with the easy peasy. <laughs> easy peasy, lemon squeezy. So these lines are uh, when I looked them up and locked them in. So um, look to try and get them around these numbers. First off, game we just covered, Nuff said, OU, lock it in, 23, 23 and a half, anything under 24. Love this team. UCLA struggling. You know, they just they just need to get more talent in there. It's kind of like a Tennessee situation. Love OU in this to cover the 23-point spread. The second one, these next two, in fact, that I've locked in are a little bit nerve-wracking for me because the Sharps are actually going against what I'm playing. But this one seems too easy-peasy for me. Um, Florida minus eight at Kentucky. Revenge game. Terry Wilson out. I think Florida rolls in this game. Um, and even if they have a poor a poor performance still wins by 10. I don't see a circumstance where they can't cover the eight. Uh, so lock Florida in minus eight if you can get them or if you can get them under 10. Uh, also, line reversal in the Bama game. Sharp seem to be picking uh, South Carolina. Um, that scares me a little bit as I have Bama minus 26. But anything under 28 here, they're looking to make a statement. Lock it in. Anything under 28. Bama rolls. Roll tide roll. Ew. And then last but not least, and I've been riding them all season. Going back to the well, Ohio State minus 15 and a half at Indiana. There will not be a slow start this year. The QB will get out. We'll we'll run. He'll he'll do his run app run option pass plays that he does where he only looks at one receiver. Um, but that doesn't matter. And they will uh anything under seventeen here, I got fifteen and a half. Anything under seventeen, uh I I'd, I'd even say twenty, and I think Ohio State is a lock there. So those are my four easy peasy picks of the week. Go ahead and lock them in and win yourself some money. There you go. That is the easy peasy games of the week. We don't condone gambling here at the Sibling Rivalry Podcast, but if you were to gamble, we hope that you take those picks and to that uh, Pierce and his extensive knowledge of gambling uh, helps you win a little bit of money. He just gave me some eyes. Hey, listen, if the shoe fits, just that, saying. That, yeah, okay. You in the, the last podcast fit. in the last podcast you said me and my friends were really drunk. So I'm allowed to say that you know some stuff about gambling. Well, the worst the worst instance we've ever had on this podcast was when we had a guest use the toilet. Yeah. During the middle of it, our that, recording. So Yeah, that was a low point. We can't top that. We can't top that. So I'll I'll let I'll let that one slide. You know, with the uh, amount of professionalism on this show, it's a wonder more people don't listen. <laughs> um 
hey, I want to do a quick little plug while we're at it. Uh, go follow us on Instagram and Twitter. The handles for that are not only available in the show notes, but I'm going to lay them out for you right now. But if you're driving and you can't get to it right now, check out the show notes. you got two little links. Instagram, at Sibling Rivalry Podcast. Try to put some interesting content out there for y'all. I, uh, you know, like to link when there are new episodes as well so that you don't miss anything. Uh, and then at the SR Podcast on Twitter. Got to get that going. Have not yet sent out a tweet, I don't think. That's supposed to be Pierce's job. He's struggling. It's fine. He's well, under the weather. I'm under the weather. Yeah, I'm. I'm playing hurt. But I'm. I'm. Can you make two pod? Can I have two Twitter handles? Yeah. On the same. Yes. App. Yes. Okay. You can have multiple Instagrams. The problem is, I don't know if I know the password for the one that. You don't even have I'm to log out. Lo- okay, great. You well, just then, add it. Well, then get ready, ladies and gentlemen, because there will be some tweets firing. We'll see when that happens. It might be 2020 before that happens. Um, I'll try to tweet some stuff, too, as well. But I'm posting mostly the stuff on Instagram. I like to also post our picks. So if you missed anything and are wondering, keep it score at home about what we did this past week. I'll post that on our Instagram account at Sibling Rivalry Podcast. And then if you're not subscribed, go ahead and subscribe. We'll come out with two episodes a week. We've got our recap pod every week where we break down all of the action and get into the major storylines. And then what you've been listening to today, which is the preview podcast, where we break down the upcoming matchups, preview those, tell you what we like, what we don't like, and try to win you some money with easy peasy. So if you're not doing all of the above, go ahead and get it done and follow along. So we appreciate your support if you are doing that. And, uh, you know, share, 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 share the show. It just helps us continue to grow so that we can bring you more goodness and continue our production quality. I uh, try to keep up to the industry standards. Uh, you know, a lot of these podcasters nowadays are out here with their, just like their phone because you can report record a podcast with basically anything nowadays. And we're here. We're trying to run a real, real professional show here. We're grinding. Well, I am. I don't know about you. Um, I've been taking notes like crazy. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How many podcasts you edited? Zero. Zero. Exactly. How many tweets you sent? That's your. That. How many pictures you post on Instagram? Hey, you locked us out of our Twitter accounts. So don't don't start that on. Okay, me. I made a new one. All right. So that's gonna do it before things get ugly here in the <laughs> in the. Uh, bonus room studios here it wouldn't be sibling rivalry without a little bit of a little back and forth rivalry. yeah this has been a yeah this has been a journey this episode all right that's gonna do it for the sibling rivalry podcast we will catch you next week i'm madison and i'm pierce stay blessed y'all